I, uh, I love it when uh, Debbie Manning does the prayers of the morning. She just connects us together. Debbie is currently uh, one of the pastors in our congregational care uh, work, and she's splitting her time uh, between helping us and working at the table. The table's our 5 o'clock Sunday series service that has gone down to knots, and she's being in both places to sort of hold us together. While we want to bless Knox, and we want to make sure that that is a thrilling adventure, we also want to see what God is going to do here on Sunday nights. So we are doing a monthly experiment in different ways together as a worshiping community. One of those will be tonight at 5 o'clock. If you would like to hear a different expression of worship that has the same DNA, why don't you come and engage and tell us what you think. I, uh, I think that there's all kinds of parties. Everybody goes birthday parties, everybody says Thanksgiving. Uh, but sometimes uh, I think we need more dangerous parties. And, and by dangerous, I mean the parties you wouldn't, you wouldn't usually go to. Uh, my, uh, my brother and I share an affinity uh, for great steak. We, we love steak. I love protein in all its forms. I, I love starch and sugar in all their forms. But, uh, but I love Manny's downtown, uh, classic restaurant. I, I tend to go to Manny's every time I'm invited to go to Manny's because it's pretty expensive. And, and, and my brother uh, wanted uh, to invite me one time. See, Manny's has this, uh, had this room adjacent to the main room that was a cigar lounge where you could eat but also puff on a cigar. And they installed these high-power fans to suck the cigar smoke up so that other people wouldn't have secondhand smoke. But you've got to remember when the anti-smoking legislation was implemented, even Manny's had to shut down their cigar lounge. And so this was billed as the last night to have a cigar at Manny's. And Joe said, come on, I got a whole bunch of my friends coming, come on. And I'm going, Joe, I'm just not sure those are my kind of people. He said, come on. And, uh, and it's sort of unusual, so I ended up going to Manny's, and sure enough, I was right. I didn't know anybody. I knew one person in the middle of the room, and all the spots were taken. My brother is talking to 57 other people, and so I sit over here at the end of a table and just eat my steak. A guy comes and sits down next to me, and, uh, and, and uh, he's a good friend of uh, Joe's. Uh, he is, uh, Joe knows him because Joe's a lawyer, and he uses this person who is an elderly doctor, national reputation, uses him as an expert witness to testify about good work and bad work, and and so they've formed this bond over the years, and he, he comes up to me and introduces himself, and he says, well, your brother outed you, says you're a preacher. Yeah, I'll, sit here, I'll sit here anyway. <laughs> Off to a good start, great party. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, then, have you, you know this, uh, I know you all speak Latin. In Latin it says, en vino veritas, which means with wine comes truth. And that really just means your tongue gets loosened as you drink more, and vino veritas. And, 
And there was a lot of envino going on at this uh, dinner at Manny's. And uh, my uh, brother's friend's tongue was loosened. And the veritas started to come out. And after the third or fourth glass, he said, you know, I, I'd like to believe, but I don't. I'm, I'm an atheist. I, I, I want to be an agnostic, but I, all the stuff I've seen, I just think we are 30 pounds of dirty water in these sacks and we die. And I was like, oh. How fun for you. And, uh, and, and, but, but he was a great guy, wonderful conversationalist. We built on the things that we did have in common. And we had a, a wonderful night and much more vino, much more veritas. The, the party finally breaks up and uh, several had to be escorted to the cabs and, and sent, sent home. And uh, so a couple months later, my brother Joe invites me to a charity golf thing. And he sticks me with this same doctor. And so we're playing uh, together as uh, partners. And he is a wonderful guy, terrible golfer, terrible golfer. And, uh, and, and you get to the third tee, and he says, you know, hell, if more ministers came to Manny's, I might even come to your place. And, and that was the extent of our spiritual conversation that day, too. And, um, but the next day, he calls the church office and uh, he leaves a message, and my assistant answers it, and says, I played golf with John yesterday, and I would just like to know, what is a uh, not-for-profit that the church supports that helps poor people in the cities? We don't believe the same things, but we love the same things. And he sent me a very large check for Urban Homeworks, one of the places that we do in the city. And as I, as I looked at this check and I thought of this friend, I thought about Jesus and uncomfortable parties that he went to. One's the one that Kathleen uh, read to the kids. It's found in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke and in Mark's story, it says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Once again is because, remember last week, Laura talked about Jesus going out to the lake and feeding the 5,000. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to them, and he started to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, Levi, son of Alphaeus, means that he's a Jew. Sitting at the tax collector booth means he's a crook. So he's a Jewish crook. The, the tax collectors are... Uh, if you remember the term Quislings, Quislings were the French people who turned against the French people to get a good deal with the Germans. He is going along with the Romans, screwing the Jews, and so nobody likes him. Romans don't trust him, Jews hate him because he's a traitor. And it says, Jesus walked by and saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth, and Jesus didn't say, look at that jerk. Jesus said, follow me. And Levi got up and followed Jesus. The story goes on, and, and it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, in other words, not just follow me, but I'll follow you to your house, many tax collectors and sinners in the Bible, tax collectors and sinners is all one phrase. Any tax collector is a sinner. Many tax collectors and sinners uh, 
were eating with Jesus and his disciples because there were many sinners, tax collectors, who followed Jesus. Well, when the teachers of the law, when the preachers, the Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with them? And hearing this, Jesus said to the Pharisees, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous or the people who think they're righteous, but I've come for the sinners. Dangerous party. Nobody got what they expected. But a party that our friend Levi, the son of Alphaeus, never forgets. It's told the same way in the Gospel of Luke, but in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, and Jesus was walking along, and he saw Matthew, the tax collector. And he said, let's eat tonight at your house. Levi is the same tax collector as Matthew, the tax collector, who becomes a follower of Jesus and writes one of the stories, the Gospel of Matthew about Jesus. He'll never forget that party. Reggie Joyner does a great talk on this, and, and he says that you ought to define what a party is for you because it can look as small as two people having coffee or as big as a thousand people at a banquet. He said a party is any effort to celebrate, enjoy, to serve others in ways that add value to life. So a real party isn't just, boy, did we have a good time last night. It's It added richness, value to the lives of the people who went. Jesus goes to church, sure. But in the stories, Jesus spends more time at parties. And I think that's because Jesus knew that sometime it takes a party where you don't know everybody, where you're not doing all the inviting, where you're not in charge, Jesus knows that sometimes it takes a party to change the way that we see each other. To show people that God cares about partiers. I was reminded at Manny's, God cares about all of these cigar-smoking, whiskey-guzzling people there for a great party. God loves them. You know, uh, it says the people who got angry at Jesus because he was at a party with the wrong people were the Pharisees. Another word in the time of Jesus for the Pharisees, they are called the serious ones. The Pharisees are the serious ones. Now some of that is because they're serious about loving God, wanting to follow God, wanting to obey God. That's great. But they were never the life of the party. They were the serious ones. They were sort of anti-party. And Jesus knew that sometimes it takes a party to show that God cares about the people at the party. I think Jesus also loved parties because he knew that sometimes it takes a party to confirm that you can have a fresh start. At parties, you can celebrate a new beginning. Maybe the most famous party in the Bible story is the party that the dad throws when the prodigal son comes home. It said he wrapped his arms around him, said, spread the feast, and he started a huge party because the son was dead, and now he's found. Forgiveness, a new beginning. 
And you know what's so fascinating about that? Is that the Pharisees were at that party too. Called the older brother. The older brother says, I'm not coming to the party if he's there. Because he's one of the bad guys. Do you know what he does on Thursday nights? Jesus knows that sometimes it takes a party to make sure that everybody knows that there is forgiveness that we can start again. I think Jesus wants you to go to more parties because He knows that sometimes it takes a party to show people that those people matter more than your opinions. People matter more than your opinions. You and I are living in an age where we have very divided opinions about everything. Whether that's illegal immigration or gay marriage. Whether that's about race or tax cuts. And it becomes so important to know what the opinion that this person has before we'll have a relationship with them. Or it breaks our relationship. And Jesus says, throw a party! People are more important than opinions. So Jesus eats with the Pharisees. And Jesus eats with the broken people, with the sinners. Because he's not in the judgment business. He's in the loving people business. I, I, I love parties because they, they are the way that Jesus reminds us that sometimes it takes a party to remind us that everybody is invited to his party. There will even be Baptists at Jesus' party. Everybody, Jesus is putting together the invitation list for the party, and everybody's name is on it. Everybody who's black is on it. Everybody who's Hispanic is on it. Everybody who's white is on the list. Everybody who's Asian gets an invitation. Everybody who's Middle Eastern gets two invitations. Everybody who is young is invited and everybody who's old. Everybody who is a Vikings fan gets an invitation and everybody who's a green, well, <laughs> you gotta stop somewhere. But everybody who's a Green Bay Packer fan gets an invitation too. The iPhone people and the Android people are both invited. The gay people are invited and the straight people and the confused people, they are all on the list. Every one of you that likes Beyonce will hear that music at the party, and every one of you who loves Yo-Yo Ma will hear that too. All of you who love James Taylor will be there. Wait, who wouldn't love James Taylor? That's everybody. <laughs> Jesus invites everybody who's a Democrat. Jesus wants to make sure that everybody who's a Republican is not only invited but drawn in and he's just getting warmed up. He doesn't want you to look down the list and cross anybody out. And that is why the biblical parties, the stories that are told about Jesus and parties, are so tense. Because Jesus wants everybody at the party, and the religious people want the nice people at the party. The people who will agree with them at the party. And Jesus says, if the word gospel really means good news, that means the gospel does not discriminate, it integrates. It brings us together. We have been taught 
that being a disciple is about getting the right answers. That discipleship means information. But following Jesus is almost always much more about relationships than information. About our relationship with God. And a relationship with other people, even the not nice people, even the people who are on the other side. And you and I often miss the link between loving other people and spiritual development. The biggest link between spiritual development and other people is whether they are loved or not. I talked about Reggie uh, Joyner um, a couple weeks ago. Our, our staff is learning to pray together. And so on Tuesday mornings, we gather together for prayer. And a couple weeks ago, uh, one of our kids' team was leading the prayer time. And uh, she talked about this passage and read a, a story by Reggie Joyner. He, said, uh, he says this, <clears throat> Let me tell you about Tom. He was the next-door neighbor when my family moved to Mobile, Alabama. The first day the moving truck pulled into the house, Tom's in the driveway waiting. Obviously, he'd done a background check on me because as soon as I stepped out of the car, Tom said, so I hear you're the new pastor in town. Can I just tell all the neighbors to call you Rev? Oh. It was awkward. Before I could say, no, just call me Reggie, he says, I know what we'll call you. You have the same hairline as the Pope. From now on, you're our neighborhood Pope. It was not the way I hoped to start. He said, Tom and I were as different as two people could be. He was a liberal Catholic. I was a conservative evangelical. He was a very vocal extrovert. I was a reserved introvert. He had three boys in college. I had four kids under the age of seven. He golfed a lot. I was a Christian. He, <laughs> he hosted a lot of parties. I'm sort of not a party guy. But there was no way to hide from Tom. He, he seemed to be waiting outside the house every day to pull me in, to get to know me better, curious about everything I did. And even though I was good-natured, he inter interrogated me relentlessly about my church. He, he said, what do you guys have against women? I don't understand this. What do you guys have against gay people? What do you guys have against Disney? Who doesn't love Disney? What do you guys have against people who love each other living together? It wasn't that he was critical or sarcastic. He liked to poke fun. But I got the impression he was always a little perplexed about the faith thing. It goes on and on. And then uh, he says, one day as I'm backing out of the driveway, Tom stops me and asks a strange question. He says, uh, do you ever pray at parties? When I look confused, he said, well, I'm, I'm having a graduation party for my oldest son. And uh, I, I thought that maybe it would be a good idea if somebody would pray for him. Could you put that on your calendar? What could I say? I said, sure. A couple weeks go by, I forget about it, and then all of a sudden, a man pulls up in a truck, pulls a dolly out of the truck, starts stacking crates on it. I look closer and realize the driver's delivering kegs and kegs and kegs of beer to Tom's front door. The more boxes coming off the truck, the more uncomfortable I got. He said, now I know this is not a big deal, but I grew up in a denomination very strict about not drinking. My parents never drank, even till this day. I don't drink. I have family members and friends who drink. They love Jesus better than I do. But when I was a young pastor, my circle of friends was non-drinkers. I'd never been to one of Tom's parties, but I knew it was coming. And I, I didn't want to go, and my wife said, you've got to go. 
So I figured I'll go and I can slip out right after I pray. And that night I went to my first party at Tom's house. We gathered the family and the friends around a circle of the kegs with drinks in our hands and we prayed for his son. And Reggie says, and when I finished praying and looked up at Tom, he was crying. He bear hugged me and he thanked me and then he said, I hope you'll hang out a while at the party. I know God brought you here to be my neighbor. And so I stayed. There's a party happening. And there are people hungry to be loved. There is a party happening, and most of their idea of the party is not coming to church. It's about the God of parties going out through you. There's a party going on, and it's going to be one heaven of a party. Because God is inviting everybody. The invitation went out again this morning, about six minutes ago. And it has your name on it. And like a lot of invitations, it says, your name plus one. That means don't come to the party alone. Who needs to go to a party where there is joy and life and value added, where people feel like they are loved rather than examined? We, uh, we should bring Jesus to more parties. Because like Kathleen said, it's time for the doctor to make house calls. Dr. Jesus wants to make house calls in a way that make people's hearts glad. Let's go to the party. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you didn't come and say, John, you got to try harder. Carrie, you screwed up again. Tom, you know what you did. You, you said, come to me. Follow me. Let's have a, a party at your house tonight. And the great banquet feast of heaven is slowly filling up with people who are not lectured. They are loved. Teach us to love like that. Send us to more parties. In your name. Amen. Hey, before these guys sing their closing song, let me throw a curveball at you, Rich. Before these guys uh, sing their closing song, I'd like to introduce you to somebody. Um, about uh, five years ago, six years ago now, uh, John Mitchell came, and he was my best friend, our executive pastor for five years, did a phenomenal job. When he decided to move on, he and I talked, and we agreed that uh, even if he continued working 60 or 70 or 80 hours a week, he was a crazy man. There was just too much coming into one office to make this work. So we decided to change uh, our leadership team. And so we asked Mara if she would come and be our uh, COO, take care of operations. And we asked uh, David Hammond up there if he would be the leader of worship and communications. And Sarah Norton, who has been our kids director, is the director of families and we needed one more. 
And so for the last year, we have been looking for somebody that we are calling our pastor of adult ministry, somebody who will help membership and missions and uh, discipleship and care play well together so that the party uh, can grow on. 